there, dear listeners. I didn't see you sneak in. Come, gather around the fire, won't you? Welcome to a special episode of Theology-ish. As you get cozy, we just want to give you a tiny, whimsical reminder. You see, our chats here are quite like a smorgasbord of theological musings. We leap from one thought to another, much like marshmallows hopping into hot cocoa. It's all very exploratory, rather like a treasure hunt through various perspectives of faith. But mind you, these are not the ironclad beliefs of our churches we swear by. Oh no, they're more like dandelions in the wind, free and floating. So while we stir the pot of discussion, I urge you to do a bit of stirring yourself. Reflect, question, and don't forget to chat with your local church leaders. They're like the wise old owls of our faith. Our aim, dear friends, is to kindle curiosity and understanding, not to dictate. Now, as you nestle in with your thoughts, remember to keep an open heart and a discerning mind. Thank you for your understanding, and enjoy the warmth of our episode. Ho, 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 and welcome to another episode of Theology-ish. My name is not St. Nicholas, it's Ryan, and I am joined today, as always, by our lovely co-host, William. Ooh, lovely. That's that's so nice of you to say. And from the both of us, we wish you all a very Merry Christmas. Yeah, not Happy Holidays, Merry Christmas. That is the correct way to, to do that. Merry Christmas! Because it's Christmas time. I hope you've all been drinking your eggnog and watching your Charlie Brown Christmas specials. I've never had eggnog. No? Never. Well, you need to... alcoholic or not, I've never had eggnog. You need to do yourself a favor. Go down to the Kroger. It's right by the milk. Mm. Get the kind with the blue cap, because that kind is vanilla-flavored eggnog. Mm. And it is very good. Get yourself some of that... And enjoy the Christmas drink. Okay, I might have to do that. So, today, for our episode, because it is Christmas time, we are going to be answering a little bit of a question, Ryan. If you're uh, like me, you've been to a holiday party before, or chit-chatting with some folk And you've said something to the effect of, oh, would you guys like to join me for the Christmas Eve service at my church? And someone who's oh so smart and a very special boy says, um, actually, Christmas is pagan. So I'm going to be building a bonfire in my backyard and celebrating the old Norse gods instead of doing Christmas Eve service at church. Have you ever had something like that happen? No? You're looking at me like you can't empathize with this at all. (laughs) So, I know the kind of individual you're talking about. I don't know that I have ever personally interacted with one of them. Well, I I, I've seen them around on stuff like Reddit, like you know, Facebook, whatever. You see them on the internet. They make memes. They're very vocal. I don't think I've met one though. I have. If you invite them to the Christmas service, they're like, "Well, actually, Christmas is pagan." And that's one 
type of person that might do that. There's yeah. also a very, very pious Christian who's very faithful, and they want to do things as right as they can, and they want to honor God and honor their fellow Christians, and they say, hey, actually, Christmas is pagan, and you probably shouldn't celebrate it. Have you encountered yeah. those people? Yeah. Yeah, I've... Yes. Again, I'm not sure I've really personally interacted with someone like that, but I am I am aware of individuals who think like that. Yeah, I have uh, had the distinct, dis- well, not necessarily displeasure, but the, uh, the reality of interacting with these people on both sides of the coin where someone is being as faithful as they can by trying to not celebrate Christmas and also someone who is hostile to Christmas. Uh, we have interact both interacted with people who are either adverse to Christmas because they are like, um, actually, or they're a little bit skeeved out by it because they have heard from a professor or a pastor or a good friend along the way that it is in fact pagan and they want to be good, faithful Christians and they don't want to mess with stuff that's pagan. Yeah. Fair. So recently I read a book called The 25th which is a collection of essays by a gentleman named Joshua Gibbs about Christmas. And I thought that it was a very good collection of essays. And in that book, he makes some claims about the historicity of Christmas being celebrated on December 25th and how it is not pagan and it is in fact Christian. So that sent me down a rabbit hole over the past few weeks where I have been doing a pretty deep dive into the real history of Christmas. History that you won't get anywhere else. Welcome to the History Channel. No, that's not what this is. We are not affiliated with them. The History Channel would tell you that Christmas is celebrated on the 25th because of aliens, and I'm not going to do that. Yeah, that wouldn't be a good thing to tell people. What I would like to do is to go through a little bit of the history of Christmas being on December 25th, and whether or not Jesus was born then, because that's what we're supposed to be celebrating, right? Mm. So it's a reasonable question to ask, was Jesus born on December 25th or not? But before we do that, before we get into that, I have a question for you, Ryan. And I have an answer for you, William. What makes something pagan? Well, that would be something that is not Christian, right? Okay. Is that is that a fair understanding of the term pagan? Well, um, we could get into lots of definitions about what makes a thing pagan, which religions are or are not pagan, and we could get into all the minutiae about it, but I, I just want us to think on that as we go through these next few things here. Okay. And think about what, what makes a thing pagan. We're going to circle back to it. Okay. All right. So... There used to be an ancient Roman celebration, and this is what that first group of people who are like, well, actually, Christmas is originally pagan. This is usually what they'll point to. It was a festival called Saturnalia. It was celebrated between December 17th and December 24th, and it was like about the uh, winter solstice. So there were bonfires and feastings and probably orgy stuff because it was an ancient Roman pagan festival. Yeah. Um, you may notice that it starts the 17th and ends the 21st. 
or the 24th. Smack dab in the middle is the 21st, which is the actual day of the winter solstice. Okay. okay. So what the well actually guy will claim is that Christians thought that that looked like a lot of fun and they wanted their own holiday. So then they kind of stole the Saturnalia celebration and said, no, this is actually about Jesus. So that way they could still have their celebration about the winter solstice and it was all honky dory. Except you might notice something wrong with that. The 17th through the 24th is not the 25th. No, it isn't. It's a different day. Yeah. And if you were trying to steal this other thing, make it your own thing, you would probably do it when the other thing is. Sure. Or if you're actually just celebrating the winter solstice, which is what other, well, actually people might allege, you would probably put it on the winter solstice. Wouldn't you? That would make sense. That would be where you would put it if you were celebrating that. So the fact that Christmas is not on any of those days is not nothing. So just throwing that out there. Mm. If we think about it, that doesn't seem to be the case. Now, the second thing that the well actually guy might point out is this celebration that the ancient Romans had for a deity that they called Sol Invictus, or the Unconquered Sun. Okay. And they celebrated the birthday of the Unconquered Sun on December 25th. Okay? So this might have a little bit more reality to it than the Saturnalia thing. Sure. Except for a slight problem. The Sol Invictus, the Roman cult of the sun god, had kind of fallen to the wayside. And in about the year 274-ish, give or take, you can look this up and get the actual date. Whoever the emperor was, I forget his name and I don't have it written down, he wanted that cult of the sun god to make a resurgence. Okay. So in 270-something, he makes a big deal about the Sol Invictus, and it is then that the sun god's birthday is determined to be December 25th. Okay. Okay, in 270-something A.D. Now, what if I told you that the Christians had pinned Jesus' birthday at December 25th almost 50 years prior? Mm, Now, that would be interesting because something that I've heard frequently throughout my lifetime— not necessarily by the well-actually guys, but people within the church generally, is that— We're good, faithful people. Yeah, I'm not bagging on them. Well, yeah, we celebrate Christ's birth at Christmas on December 25th, but he was actually born somewhere around April. And to the best of their knowledge, that is the scholarly understanding of Christ's birthday, is somewhere in April thereabouts— but what you're saying is that as early as what, the year like 200-ish? Uh, about 220. About 220, they had already penned Christ's birthday as the 25th so, of December. There, there is, I want to be very clear and very honest. Yes. There's some ambiguity, okay? Okay. But 
my research that I did, and I read a couple books, I read a few scholarly articles, and I, if I were to go through my internet browsing history, I could pull up all those articles for you and show yeah. you the peop- my sources. I don't have them written down right in front of me. If you email us at theologyish at gmail.com and ask for sources on the Christmas episode, I can get you those. Okay? Um, so according to my research... A gentleman in the church named Julius Africanus, Okay, he's the first person to say that Jesus was born on December 25th, and he does this around the year 221, mm. which is 50 years prior to the emperor of Rome declaring that the birthday of Sol Invictus, the unconquered son, is December 25th. So it seems to be the case that Christians had priority for December 25th, and it was actually the pagans that were trying to perhaps supersede that date and steal it for their own pagan reasons, because, you know, around that time, the pagan emperors of Rome didn't like Christians very much. And they liked to kill them and whatnot. Something you'll find throughout history throughout all of history is that uh, the pagans really like stealing Christian things. That That's a recurring theme. Uh, and in the words of yourself, William, frequently, get your own stuff, man. It's true. Get your own stuff. We have our stuff already. Leave it alone. <laughs> now, we have Julian Af- Julius Africanus, the year 221. Not long after... Julius Africanus, we have Hippolytus of Rome, and he writes two works. The first one he writes around the year 220 is called the Canon, and Hippolytus of Rome's Canon puts Jesus's birth in early January, okay? Okay. But this work is uh, about astrological symbols. He, he's a Christian writer, but he's looking at the phases of the moon, and he's doing math, and he's trying to figure out when things happen based off when the phases of the moon happened. Yeah. Because uh, Jewish festivals are all based off the phases of the moon. So if you want to find out what day the Passover when Jesus was crucified is, you need to find out when they celebrated the Passover. Yeah. When you find out when they celebrated the Passover, you track the phases of the moon. And you work backwards. That makes sense. And then you're able to figure that out. So he does this. He does the math. And he's pretty sure that Jesus is born in early January. Okay? Now, a couple years later, because he also takes the phases of the moon and puts them in the future to uh, calculate when Passover in the future will be. And his work, the canon, is debunked by reality not matching up with it. Mm. So he's like, ah, geez. Messed that up. So Hippolytus of Rome takes his previous research, he reworks it, and he tries to fix his mistakes. And he makes a revised work that's similar stuff, tracking the phase of the, of the moon and whatnot, and it's called the Chronicon. Okay? And he writes the Chronicon in about 235. Okay. okay? Still a long time before Sol Invictus. Yeah. A couple decades. And in the Chronicon, Hippolytus of Rome determines that Jesus was conceived and later crucified on Passover, which, according to Hippolytus of Rome's calculations, 
would be what is now on the modern calendar, March 25th. Okay? Mm. So he determines that the day of Jesus' conception is March 25th. Let's uh, count. April, May, June, July, August, September, October, November, December. Nine months after March 25th is December 25th. Hippolytus, in his work The Chronicon, does not say Jesus was born on December 25th. But you can make a very good argument that he believed Jesus was born on December 25th based on when Hippolytus thinks Jesus was conceived. Okay. Is that fair? That's fair. You tracking? Yeah. That, I mean, the math adds up. The math adds up. And, um, how do I want to say this? Uh... Well, we'll we'll get to this. We'll get to this later. Okay. So we'll, we'll just let that hang for a second. Now, fast forward about a hundred years, and Julius the First, who is then the Bishop of Rome in about three thirty-seven, that's when he assumes to the pontificate. He reads in documents that he had obtained from Alexandria in Africa, where the Library of Alexandria was. Yeah. So if anywhere has documents. Probably it's, them. It's them. It's yeah. them. He gets some documents from the Library of Alexandria. Well, I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's go to the Bible. Oh, okay. We're Protestants. We yeah. love the Bible. We do. All right. Luke chapter 1, verse 5. In the time, well, verse 5 through, uh, 5 through 28. We're going to read a big chunk here. Oh, okay. It's fine. We got nothing but time. Yeah. In the time of King Herod of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah and whose wife Elizabeth was a daughter of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and decrees of the Lord, but they had no children because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both well along in years. One day, while Zachariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And at the hour of the incense offering, the whole congregation was praying outside. Just then, an angel of the Lord appeared to Zechariah, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and gripped with fear. And I'm just going to fast forward through here to... uh. Verse 25, in the sixth month, so this is six months after Zechariah's time in the temple, God sent the angel Gabriel to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin pledged to marry to a man named Joseph, who was of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. So six months after Zechariah does his stuff in the temple is when Jesus conceives. That's okay. what Holy Scripture tells us. Yeah. If you don't believe me, go read Luke 1. You can read the whole thing. So then the question becomes, when is Zachariah serving in the temple? An excellent question. Now, it's possible that he was serving during Passover, okay? That's one of the times that you would go into the Holy of Holies yeah. to do the stuff with incense. But it doesn't talk about Zachariah going into the Holy of Holies. There's another incense altar in the uh, space outside of the Holy of Holies, not in the common court, but the other one. 
there's another incense altar that you're supposed to burn incense at multiple times throughout the year during festivals and feasts and whatnot. Yeah. So then it becomes a question of when is he doing this? Can we figure that out? Well, you and I might not be able to figure that out, not with any certainty, but this brings us back to Julius the first, then Bishop of Rome. Okay. He obtained documents from the library in Alexandria, okay, which if anywhere has documents from the temple— It's there. It's there. The temple has been destroyed for about 200 years or so at this point. Well, more than that, uh, 250 years. Yeah. It's been destroyed. But that doesn't mean there aren't still documents out there. It doesn't mean things aren't still floating around. He gets documents from the Library of Alexandria— and those documents indicate that Zechariah was serving in the temple during the Festival of Booths. Do you know when the Festival of Booths happens? I sure don't. It's late September or early October. Okay. Okay? So, we couple that with what we read in Luke. So, if we say September, October, November, December, January, February, March. Mmm. That lines up with Hippolytus, which then puts us right back to December for the birthday of Jesus. Very possibly December 25th. Interesting. Now, uh, I'm not exactly sure when Julius I got his hands on these documents. Uh, His pontificate was between the years 337 and 352, so it's sometime in there. Okay. Still pretty early, all things considered. Yeah, that's yeah, and that's less than a twenty-year time period. Yeah, and and like the time when Julius is yeah. bishop of Rome is not super far removed from the time when uh, Jesus was yes. around, right? This is three hundred years later, which is a blink historically. Now, compared to the uh, two thousand years the, later that yeah, we the, live the, in, we live in, if, yeah. Julius of Rome has a much better chance of getting documents from the temple than we do. Unfortunately. I wish I could get my hands on that stuff. Yeah, that'd be sweet. Okay. So not long. uh, All this happens with Julius. Shortly after our very first definitive written mention of Jesus being born on the 25th. Because Hippolytus doesn't come out and say it. Mm -hmm. He says when Jesus is conceived, and we can count to nine, which puts us in December. The first explicit mention of Jesus being born on December 25th, as far as my research turned up, was in the year 336. So that's slightly before Julius becomes Bishop of Rome. Okay. I didn't write down in my notes what document says it, Mm. so I don't remember. I'd have to go back and find it. But allegedly, according to the scholarship that I read, that's the first mention of Jesus being born on December 25th, for sure. Okay. It was 336. Okay. Which is pretty early in the history of the church. It is. All things considered. Because some of these people that say things about pagan influence on Christmas or whatever, they might say that it was like a later thing, but this isn't that late. Not really. No. Next, Ambrose of Milan writes a treaty called About Virgins, and this is in the year 366, and he shows 
the Christmas by 366 is definitively being celebrated on December 25th, at the very least in Rome. So by 366, not long, because, you know, it's one thing to say Jesus is born on the 25th. It's another thing for people to actually be celebrating it on that day. Yeah. Is that fair? Yeah, I mean, it's sort of like, you know, it's one thing to say that the book of Romans was written by a certain year, but it's another thing to say that it is widespread and being read by the church by a certain time. Exactly. So by 366, Christmas is being celebrated on December 25th in Rome. Okay. For sure, because Ambrose of Milan mentions it. And that's a long time ago, yeah. to be sure. Yeah. Um, now, if we keep going forward a little bit further, about 10 years later, John Chrysostom shows in one of his writings that the custom of celebrating Jesus' birth on December 25th has made it all the way to Antioch in modern-day Turkey. So That's a pretty good ten, distance. Yeah. F- 10 years after we know for sure it's happening in Rome, it's now happening all over Christendom, right? People in Antioch are doing it too. Um, but John Chrysostom records that there's some controversy about this. And there's a little bit of controversy about it because there had been pockets of Christianity that celebrated Jesus's birthday on the same day that they celebrated Epiphany, which is his baptism. And they celebrated both of those on January 6th. Okay. Now, Hippolytus's first work, the canon, yes, but was later debunked. When, when did he say Jesus was born in the canon? Would have been late he, January. He, he said it was early, early January. Early January. He said early January in huh. his canon. Huh. It's kind of whack. Huh. Interesting. So there's a tradition going around that Jesus was born on January sixth. Indefinitely baptized on January 6th. And those are celebrated at the same time in some places. Not everywhere, but in some places. Where John Chrysostom is in Antioch, they are celebrated at the same time. But by 376, those two get split. And one is celebrated on December 25th, the birth. And the other is celebrated on January 6th. The baptism. Okay. Mm. Now, we've kind of lost that tradition by today, celebrating the baptism. Well, if you're a filthy Protestant. Yeah, in the uh, Protestant church at least, because like, I've so, never done that in ha- my life. Have you heard of the 12 days of Christmas? On the I have. Day of Christ- Those 12 days are from Christmas Eve to January 6th. And each day, you are supposed to celebrate something different. And there's a whole calendar that Orthodox Christians and Catholic Christians follow, and each of those has a special feast to it. It is a 12-day-long celebration. Um, Man, that sounds way cooler than us Protestants. We don't get a 12-day-long celebration. Yeah, it's way cooler than what we do because you might be lucky if your church does a candlelight service on Christmas Eve if you are Protestant. Yeah, so actually last year at our church we did do that. Um How was it? Good. We we did it like with uh however many candles there were. We did the whole thing like where we lit a new one every week uh, up the until Advent. Yeah, the Advent, thank you. We did Advent candles. We did it 
I can't remember but the number. But did you do a candlelight service uh, on Christmas Eve night? I think so. I, I can't remember that I was actually at Christmas Eve service last year. Um, but I know that every Sunday morning leading up to that until we got to our Christmas Day service, we lit a new candle every week uh, for the Advent. Yeah, the Advent um, And a lot of Protestant churches don't even do that much. Yeah, and uh, you're supposed to fast for 40 days prior to the 12 days hmm. of Christmas. And we don't do that either. So you have 40 days of fasting for Lent and 40 yeah. days of fasting for uh, Advent. Yeah, and but man, a 12-day celebration, that sounds yeah, sick. That's why you fast for 40 days. So that way you don't gain 15 pounds. <laughs> okay. Our next source is John Cassian. Okay? He tells us that some Christians are still celebrating Epiphany and Jesus' birth, both on January 6th, and he writes around the year 425. Mm. So in about the 50 years that have elapsed since John Chrysostom writes and when John Cassian writes, and he lived in uh, parts of Romania and modern-day France and Germany, so he lived up in Europe. Yeah. So in parts of Europe, John Cassian was still seeing pockets of Christianity that were celebrating those both on January 6th. Okay. And he was seeing other pockets that were celebrating them separately on the 25th and on the 6th. Okay. Not terribly long after John Cassian, we have Cyril of Alexandria, who, living in Alexandria, has access to the library. This is before it there's a fire and before it starts falling into disrepair and is ultimately lost to the sands of time. Yes. He comes across some documents there and he send those, sends those to the gentleman who was then the Pope. And those documents corroborate and demonstrate that Zachariah had in fact served during the festival of booths. Mm. So he has other documents that show the same thing. The previous documents had shown. And this happens around the year 440 or so. I couldn't find an exact year when this happened, but uh, Cyril of Alexandria dies in the year 444. Okay. So it's easy to remember because it's 444. 444. Yeah. Um, So sometime before he dies, he sends these documents to the gentleman who was at the time the Bishop of Rome. And it corroborates Zachariah was serving during the temple during the Feast of Booths, which means Jesus was conceived six months later, probably in late March, and most likely born roughly nine months after that, which would be late December to early January. Yeah, so that pretty verifiably places a rough time frame of Jesus' birth. At the very least, consistently, yeah. we, we don't have people in the year 300 going, actually, Jesus was born in April. No one's doing that. No yeah. one's coming in and saying, actually, it was June. Um the, I think that you could make an argument that Zechariah was serving during Passover, which is March. Mm-hmm. So March, April, May, June, July, August, September. That would have Jesus conceived in September, six months later, right? Yeah. And nine months after that, October, November, December, January, February, March, April, May, June. Mm. So if not December and January, then... June, yeah, which is not the April date that we have uh, that we hear in Protestant churches. Because yeah. I heard April all the time growing up. Yeah, that's. I, I, I don't know where people are getting that because if Zachariah served in the temple 
during Passover, that would put Jesus's birth in June. But it seems to be the case that Zechariah was serving in the temple during the festival of booths, which makes sense with a late December, early January birthday for Jesus. I'd be curious to do a dive into how we got to the April idea, because I also literally, like, growing up my whole life, would hear all the time, oh, he was actually born somewhere around April. Yeah, But how how are you getting that information? I wasn't looking for information about that. I was looking for information about earliest mentions of December 25th. So my research didn't touch that. That's something that I've heard my whole life, and I'm, I still hear it today sometimes, and I, I'm i very curious where that information came from, because seemingly it isn't correct. So I, I am going to take a big fat dookie on Protestants for a second, although I am That's one of them. nothing new. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Protestants have, Protestants and atheists both have uh, not a whole lot in common, but they have something in common here where we can't risk Catholics and Orthodox people being right about the day Jesus is born on, because if the Catholics have faithfully guarded the tradition of when Jesus was actually born, what else have they faithfully guarded? Mm. And that is a big, fat, scary thing to a Protestant. Yeah. So we have a vested interest in showing that Jesus was not born on December 25th. But I don't know that we should. I, I think we have to have the uh, the reasonability and the uh, honesty to look at what sources say and what seems reasonable. Yeah. And these sources say, almost univocally, not entirely univocally, that Jesus was born in late December or early January. And that's not nothing. And they yeah. say it from a date prior to any pagan gods being born on December 25th with Sol Invictus. Mm. Now, let me let me pose you a question. Okay. And you can either answer it now or if you want you can uh put it off until till after we've gotten through some more of your notes here. Um but I want to pose the question does it matter? D- does it really matter when Jesus was born or is it simply important that we celebrate it and less so that we have the accuracy of the date attached to it um yeah i i am going to say that it matters that we know we are not doing something new Mm. we are part of a very long tradition of christians saying very similar, if not identical, things. And I, I think it's Paul, maybe it's Peter in one of his epistles that says, uh, we're not doing a new thing. This wasn't done in a corner, mm-hmm. but it was, might be hidden from you. It was done out in the open. And here it is. There is nothing new under the sun. Yeah, that's Ecclesiastes. Yeah. Uh, but yes, it. Yeah, yeah. Th- this isn't a new thing, right? We're not just pulling crap out of thin air. I'm not saying April because it seems convenient or June because it's something fun to say or December 25th because that's when the holiday cards come out. I'm saying it because I have a very long tradition that I'm pulling from. There are people that came before me 
that said, this is the day. And I think it is important that we submit to them when they say, this is the day, because these are the same people that say, Jesus is the second person of the Trinity, who became incarnate, who was born of a virgin, who died on the cross, descended into hell, rose again on the third day, and will one day return to judge the living and the dead. This is the same people. Yeah, I mean— So if I trust them for one, why would I not trust them for the other? Yeah, I mean, these are the the same people who are coming from the the religious hierarchy line of the same people that held the Nicene Council— the apostolic succession. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's probably the better term. But these are these are coming from a long line of people who did stuff like the church councils and individuals like the and church fathers. Some of fathers. these dudes were in the church councils. I mean, these dudes are church fathers. Yeah. Right? They, these are the patristics. Um, but Yeah, uh, you I, can trace a lot of these guys back to the disciples. Yeah, and it's directly Oh, if you think that what I have shared so far is unconvincing and you're still quite sure that Jesus was born sometime in April, fine. Uh, I don't think that either of us eschatologically are in any danger for having either position, but I, I there is good reason to say that Jesus is born on December 25th. Yeah. And it's not simply because, well— the Roman emperor had Sol Invictus's birthday be December 25th, so the Christians were like, I'll be taking that date. That no, no, Nope, nope, nope. That's not what happened. We have actual history we have, that we can point to. There's reason behind it, and it's not them just picking it arbitrarily to appeal to pagan converts. They, they had reasons for saying what they said, and they said December 25th. Um, so... That's as far out as I traced mentions of December 25th as Christmas time, because by the time we get into the mid-5th century, so that's 400-something, it's pretty well set that that is when Christmas is. So I want to point back to where we started and ask you a question. What makes something pagan? Mm. Because I've... If we want to determine, is Christmas pagan, we have to determine what does that mean? What makes something pagan? And I've been stewing over this for the past couple weeks, and I think I came up with a really good answer. Okay. Are you ready for it? I'm ready. What makes a thing pagan is pagans. Hmm. A feast is not inherently pagan, is it? No. But pagans feasted. Sure. Pork is not inherently pagan, but pagans ate pork. In fact, when pagan Greeks conquered Israel and they wanted to uh, desolate the temple, a Greek uh, general went into the Holy of Holies, erected a statue to Zeus, and sacrificed pigs on it. Mm. Pagans ate pork, but so do we. Pork is not pagan. Pagans prayed to trees. They had weird drum circles under them and, like, did rituals of whatever kind of sacrifices of animals or humans or ritualized rape or whatever. They did that under trees and they made a big deal about this one being a cedar and that one being an apple tree. I can eat apples and I can have a chest of drawers made of cedar. The trees are not pagan. The thing Mm. that makes it pagan 
is the pagans. Okay. So, did pagans celebrate Christmas as such in the year 300? No. Probably not. They were celebrating Saturnalia, to be sure. They were celebrating uh, Sol Invictus, yeah. But they weren't celebrating Christmas. So, did Christians celebrate Christmas with pagan practices? Were they sacrificing animals to Zeus? Were they burning incense to the luck of Caesar? Were they having ritualized orgies to celebrate Saturnalia? No! So if Christians weren't celebrating Christmas with pagan rituals, and pagans weren't celebrating Christmas with any rituals, is Christmas pagan? Probably not. Rome was founded around the year, like, 500... When was it? I I think it was, like, five or 600 BC. Yeah. And it lasted until about 450-something A.D., So Rome is pagan for nearly a thousand years, give or take a century. And Christmas has been Christian and on December 25th for about 1,680-something years, verifiably. Mm. Christmas has been Christian longer than Rome was pagan. That's impressive because Rome is one of the longest-lasting and... Depending on your metrics, of course, the way you you arbitrate this, one of the most successful uh, nations that Earth has ever produced. Yeah, it, it's it's a, not nothing for Christmas to have rivaled been Christian. only by the Chinese dynasty, which has lasted very very long. Yeah, it, um, Christmas has been Christian longer than Rome was pagan. Man, and that's kind of crazy. I I want to be clear, I'm not saying that elements of pagan practices didn't later seep in to Christmas. Well, we we have the Christmas tree now, which, if I'm not mistaken, is a result of the Yuletide Festival. Something like that, but that doesn't really come into play until 18-something. Yeah. So Christmas is still Christian and still Christmas without the Christmas tree, longer than Rome is pagan. Yeah. Right? And... Without the pagans, is it pagan? No. It's not. And elements of paganism and pagans, uh, winter solstice festivals and Saturnalia and whatnot, they've seeped in just like elements of modern secularism have seeped into the church. That's why your church service no longer seems hymns but has a rock concert every Sunday because elements of secularism seep in. Well, my church does the same thing. <laughs> yeah. Was, there you go. We used to sing hymns and chant the Psalms, and we don't do that anymore. And we don't do it because the secular culture is going to get in a little bit. Yeah. Um, but is your, are your uh, rock and roll sounding worship songs, are they pagan worship songs just because that sick guitar riff was originally composed by Jimi Hendrix? No. 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 And we're actually going to get into this into the next episode. Uh, but Dietrich Bonhoeffer in his hit book, Life Together, actually talks exactly about that, if you remember that section, where he talks about how worship ought to look like hymns and chants, and it ought to be done as a congregation together. And uh, that was only, you know, 100 years ago, so... Not even that, like 80. 
Well, it was or, written in like 36. Is that when it was? 1936 okay. is when it was written. So like 90. Yeah, so like almost years. 100 years. So not even 100 years ago. And now we have rock concerts on Sunday mornings. So do with that what you will. We'll get into that later. But um, I, And I, real quick, I want to point out that if you talk to the well actually guy, he's going to mention that Santa Claus is based off uh, Center Klaus, which is himself based off of like Odin and Thor with his eight legged horse and whatever. Saint Nicholas. Saint Nicholas. Well, I'm just throwing this out there. We don't have any written records of any Norse pagan god crap happening until about the year 1200. St. Nicholas of Myra lived around 325. Yeah. So St. Nicholas that becomes uh, Santa Claus eventually, if anything, influenced the pagan stuff and then made his way back into Christmas later. Yeah, the St. Nicholas who attended the Nicene Council. And punched Arius in the Yeah, I was about to bring that up. So this is a fun fact about Christmas for all you Christians out there. Um... The noble St. Nicholas, who we all know as Santa Claus today, at the Nicene Council, as they were drafting the Nicene Creed. Uh, William, you're familiar with Arius. Uh, you want to you wanna give me a, an idea of what Arius did? Uh, he was a heretic and sucked. What, uh, what particular <laughs> heresy so did he, he commit? He believed that Jesus was created by God the Father and that he was... Uh, I suppose the best way to put it is that God the Father is a capital G God, and Jesus is a lower G. G God. Yes. That's so, kind of what Arius thought. During the Nicene Council, which both of these men were present at, uh, it was Arius's turn to speak. And Nicholas punched him in the face. Yeah, uh, Arius decided to get up and basically start spewing how Jesus is not equal with the Father and is in fact a created being. And all of the bishops and clergy there were respectful and kind and let him speak his piece before any of them said anything until he kept talking and spewing heresy for so long that St. Nicholas could no longer take it, got up, walked over to Arius, and slapped him across the face. Yeah. And And that's Santa Claus, everybody. He was uh, apparently put in... uh, He he was arrested for it. Yes. Uh briefly suspended from his bishopry, or at least that appears to be the case. He also, uh, during a famine, there were these kids that were murdered by this butcher yeah. and the butcher cut up the kids and he like put them in a brine cause he was going to make salt pork with them and sell them as pork. And St. Nicholas walked in and was like, Hey, there's something amiss here. And then he, uh, confronts the butcher and then dumps out the severed pieces of the children and makes the sign of the cross and commands them to get up, and then they do, and they are restored, and then they go on to live good, happy lives. Yes, so that is Santa Claus. Yeah, and these stories in particular may have happened. Yes. There's one that almost certainly happened where these three girls, uh, their father could not afford a dowry for them, so they could not possibly get married in their culture so they were pretty well uh, up the creek without a paddle and they were going to have to resort to prostitution yep and saint nicholas myra had some means thanks to his parents he, they left him an inheritance and he took the gold that was his inheritance and he slipped it into their house and uh in some versions of the story they had their socks 
drying by the fire. Yep. And he plopped him down in there through the window. Kobe, you know, just shot it in there. Yeah. And then they were able to afford dowries and did not have to become prostitutes. So St. Nicholas, gift giver, heretic puncher, and Christmas uh, healer. And child healer. And he was known as St. Nicholas the Wonder Worker. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. that's that's some fun stuff about St. Nicholas. Yeah, which has nothing to do with Odin or Thor. And if you talk to the well actually guy, he'll say, Well, actually, Santa Claus is based off of the old Norse myth of blah 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 blah. Those Wrong. old Norse myths are not written down by anyone until about twelve hundred. And Saint Nicholas of Myra lived about nine hundred years prior to that. So you can tell the well actually guy to uh listen to this podcast and I will tell him for you. Yes. Idiot. St. Nicholas helped draft the Nicene Creed, so screw you. <laughs> uh, how, how are we doing on time? It's probably about 40 minutes. Uh, we're at about 50, but we had 50. that oh, bit yeah. we had to cut out, so we're yeah. probably, we're good. Well, I, I have uh, one last thing to say. Okay. And then I'm, I'm done. All right. Talking about whether or not Christmas is pagan. So, any questions about anything that we've... Talked about here? I know that's a lot of information, but uh, <laughs> I tried to be thorough. Yeah, no, I'm. I feel pretty comfortable with with all that. That's that's all pretty pretty easy to follow. Yeah, it's pretty self explainable. There are sources from the third, fourth, fifth centuries that corroborate that Christmas so should be celebrated. Something on uh, something I wanted to talk to you about anyway. Uh, just between recordings, is the idea of putting together an actual website for our podcast, like a, a proper website. Uh, and hey, if we get around to doing that, maybe you can uh, put your site, sites and sources up on that. Yeah, that'd be that'd be sweet. And people can access those freely. Uh, uh, yeah. So we'll we'll discuss that outside of a recording. Um, and, but, you know, yeah. this is something that I tangentially related that I wanted to bring up. Um, our dear listeners... We don't always do a whole lot of research before this. <laughs> no. A lot of times we kind of fire from the hip and there are times where I will go back and listen to our episodes and I will be shocked by the dumb stuff that I say. Um, that makes two of us. It, yeah. Uh, in the, is church, does church matter? That episode. Yeah. Recently came out. I'm trying to talk about the difference between high church and low church. Yeah. And I said that people in low churches would be fine with a foxhole conversion and people in a high church wouldn't be. Yeah, and I remember I, that. I, I don't think that that's true at all. I, I don't think a Catholic or an Orthodox or an Anglican would be like, nah, screw those people dying in foxholes. I, I can't imagine that they would think that. I don't think C.S. Lewis would think that. Yeah, and I, I don't think that that accurately represents what people from high liturgical backgrounds actually think. Uh, but we're shooting from the hip and I, I didn't have something planned out and I was trying to draw distinctions between these two traditions and I, I spoke poorly Yeah, and, and we do that a lot because we're, <laughs> perhaps this we're is a, uh, a call for us to do better in our preparation for these episodes, but well, I did research this time. So. Yeah. Also, uh, you know, this is why we have that, uh, that disclaimer at the beginning of episodes now as well. To uh, yeah. just remind people, you know, this is just us talking. Be forewarned. We're yeah. kind of dumb. And neither of us are are qualified to talk about this stuff with any amount of authority. Well, define qualified, Ryan. Uh, well, neither of us have formal education, uh, at least not as much as we should. Yeah. And 
you know, at the end of the day, we're people. We're gonna we're gonna say things that yeah. aren't right sometimes. But, uh, so all of these things said, if you are interested in diving further into this, that book that I referenced at the top of the the recording, the twenty fifth by Joshua Gibbs was very helpful. He cites all his sources in the back, and I went and looked some of those up and read what he referenced. Um, so if you want to get deep into that, you can. Um, it's very well written. Uh, he talk, He's an Orthodox Christian, and so he talks to things from a kind of an Orthodox perspective a little bit. So ultimately, as we wrap this up, I'm going to ask the question again. Is Christmas pagan? No. Well, that depends. Are you? Mm. If you're a pagan, sure. But if you celebrate Christmas as a Christian with Christian practices, or even with pagan practices that you have baptized, then I would say no. We give gifts because Jesus received gifts from the three magi. We have the Christmas tree because Christ was crucified on a tree. We put lights on the tree because Christ is the light of men and he himself was suspended from the tree. And we have little nativity scenes to remind us that Jesus, like you and I, was once a little baby. And... We read the stories from Luke and from Matthew, and we remember Herod's murder of the innocents, and we think about the innocents that are being murdered now, and we do it with a heavy heart, and we celebrate Christmas as Christians. So, as long as you are not pagan, Christmas is not pagan. So go enjoy your feasts. And enjoy your feasts as a Christian, and we hope that you all have a very Merry Christmas. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to uh, leave a review, like, comment, subscribe, and if you have any questions about anything that we talked about, shoot us an email at theologyish at gmail.com, and we will get back to you. And keep your ear out. Maybe here in the near future, we will have a proper website to announce for you guys to go check out. I think that would be pretty cool. Yeah. And that will allow us some freedom in doing stuff like getting sources up yeah. uh, for the stuff that we uh, talk about. And, and after we publish an episode, when I listen to myself pontificate, I can put a <laughs> clarifications where I say things that are wrong. Yeah. And be correcting myself. I try to do that on YouTube comments. Yeah, um, I noticed that. I, I have been slacking the past month or two about that, but, you know, what are you going to do? Anyway, thanks for listening, and we will see you guys next time. Merry Christmas.